As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. Thanks for listening. Going to get right into it this week because we have two guests. Both were excellent, I must say. Well, we're not going to get right into it. First, I'm going to tell you that you need to go into the archives and listen to any past pods you may have missed. Brian Curtis from The Ringer last week was a lot of fun talking about Radio Row and what a shit show it is. Kevin Harlan the week before. Brent Musburger, Chris Long, Kurt Menefee, all recent pods. If you haven't listened to any of those, check those out. Subscribe to the podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. That was the key this week. Dan Orlovsky from ESPN, Rising Star there, does great work breaking down film for the NFL. Comes on to tell us a little bit about his career. He's very interesting to chat with. Had some great opinions on the Super Bowl and some NFL stuff. And then Andrew Marshan, sports media reporter, columnist from the New York Post, joins the show to talk about a variety of uh, sports media stories, including playoff changes to the NFL, Major League Baseball. We get into the uh, Gail King, Lisa Leslie, Snoop Dogg debacle, and some other things. So uh, Dan Orlowski first, Andrew Marshan second on this week's episode of the SI Media Podcast. Here we go. All right, joining me now from ESPN, guy, uh, the star is rising, loves breaking down the film, and the fans love it, Dan Orlovsky. Dan, how's it going? I'm, I'm uh, doing very well, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I, uh, I had to use the rising star phrase because I named you the rising star of 2019 in sports and media in my year-end column, so I wanted to make sure we plug that. Well, I, I appreciate uh, the the column. I appreciate the introduction. It's uh, it's uh, very humbling. Before we, I want to get into you know obviously sort of your rise here and and what you do at ESPN and how it all got started and, and your opinion on some NFL things. I got to start with this because there was a report uh, from your colleague Adam Schefter recently about several front offices or, or multiple front offices or multiple teams uh, having interest in you in their front office vacancies. Um, crazy how Adam Schefter got that scoop. I don't know how he pulled that off. Um, so what is there anything you could tell us on that front? Are you interviewing? Are you looking to get in a front office? Is it uh, something you'd like to do? What's going on there? Yeah, um, I don't... 
I don't think the Shefty's report said anything about front office. It did. I thought it said stuff about coaching. I have not been contacted by anybody in the NFL in regards to a front office role. I have had conversations, and this really goes back, Jimmy, to 2017 when I retired. I had an offer to go join a coaching staff right away, too, right that year. Right. Hey, it was, it was not the timing. Uh goes back to last year when I had two teams reach out, um, one of them being the Packers, come join our coaching staff, and I didn't feel right doing it then. And then this, this year I had five teams reach out, and um, I had some conversations with, with some, some places to potentially join a coaching staff and um, multiple of roles, some offensive coordinator roles, some non-play-calling offensive coordinator roles. Um, I'm not talking to anybody now. I, that 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 kind of has settled down, and that ship has sailed. Um, I, I coaching is something that's been on my mind. I could see my, me doing it in the future. Right now, with what I'm doing and kind of what I'm being afforded to do, I absolutely love it, and uh, I'm not looking to do anything else right now. Yeah, I'll, I I I I messed that up. I should, I it was front offices have contacted you about leaving yes. ESPN for offensive coaching jobs. That's yes. that, that's what it was. Yes. From so, yeah. um, very flattering. And, um, I, you know, I look at what I get to do at ESPN is, is very much a form of coaching. It's just different coaching and, and different, you know, you're coaching different people and more people than the intimate intimacy of a football team. Um, could I see myself doing it in the future? Of course but I'm not looking to, to go jump into that right now. Is a hypothetical, if you were ever to take one of those jobs, do you have a preference on, I mean, do you have to start out as sort of a quarterback's coach? Are you a, would you go right to offensive coordinator? Would there ever be a situation you envision like that? Or would you'd have to maybe move up to offensive coordinator by, I don't know, would you be a wide receivers coach or running backs coach? What would be the ultimate, yeah. you know, role there? Yeah, I mean, the ultimate role would be a head coach. You know, I had opportunities to go and be an offensive coordinator this year. Now, two of those opportunities were non-play-calling offensive coordinators, where, like, the head coach is the play-caller, and they want someone who's going to be their offensive coordinator, passing game coordinator, all that stuff. You know, it's all about the right, you know, is it the right organization with the right head coach and the right quarterback that's going to afford success because – you know, if you're going to get into coaching, you're obviously getting in one for the long term and two to try and climb as high as you can and do it in a relatively timely fashion. And, and you know, obviously your, your goal isn't to go, OK, I'm just going to get into coaching to be a head coach in two years and then be done. But, you don't, you know, I don't see envision myself getting into coaching to try to be a an assistant coach for a decade either. And so with the right place, right time, right head coach and quarterback. I don't think getting in as a as a quarterback coach has any negative aspect to it. No, right. It, let, let's say hypothetically, you became an offensive coordinator today of an NFL team. Any team doesn't matter which. I'm just curious: is there something you would want to implement? Is there something you think you know you would want to do? Maybe more. That is there a, a play, a philosophy? Is there something you have that you think no one's doing right now that you would want to bring to the table? I don't, there's nothing that no one's doing. Um, but I think that there's people who do it better for sure and do it more creative. Like I have said for, gosh, I want to say five or six years right now, 
teams that don't have the 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 Rob Gronkowski tight end of the world are totally hurting their quarterback. I, they're just not helping their quarterback play as efficiently as possible because and I'm not talking about the talent of Gronk. Obviously that is rare. Right. I'm talking about the the ability of Gronk to be both tight end and wide receiver on every single play. Um, if you look at the teams that run really good offensive sets consistently, it is the Philadelphia Eagles. It is the Kansas City Chiefs. It is the New Orleans Saints with the Jimmy Grahams. Of the, like, you have to have that tight end for information and then matchup. And then I am, you know, I, I look at football nowadays so different um, when it comes to the quarterback and skill people. I do believe that 20 years ago, quarterbacks made – other players around them better. I truly believe that nowadays the people around the quarterback make him better, and you can't just have one star or two stars. You have to have five or six really good players around him. And if you look at the past couple Super Bowls in the past years that offenses have been really good, it's the offenses that have five, six, seven skill people deep because the game nowadays is about space and it's about matchups. And um, those would be like the two focal points, the foundational views of my offense, obviously a dominant offensive line, but when it comes to like the, the pass game and skill play, it's not really about having one star at the wide receiver position. It's about having a stud at tight end. And then it's having a bunch of really, really good skill players that defenses just can't match up with. It is interesting because I've I always thought the entire season with so many people talking about the quote unquote decline uh, of Tom Brady, I, I I never thought there was enough attention paid to the fact that they didn't have Gronk this year. Um, you know, just a completely irreplaceable player on every level. And yeah, not just again, not just the physical performance of Gronk, but all the things that they did with Gronk to figure out what teams were doing before the snap. And yeah, like Gronk, but they didn't have anybody. I mean, they hadn't, they, the, the performance of their skill people, I said this, I think like week four was the number one issue with their offense. I think if you put Tom Brady on an offense that has you know, four or five multiple weapons that are good players. Again, these aren't superstars, but they are really good players, good, good players. Tom Brady's going to throw for 4,500 yards and 35 to 40 touchdowns. Be interesting to see who he's doing it for next year, that's for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you had an interesting spin on the Super Bowl where uh, you, you thought Mike Shanahan, uh, Kyle Shanahan, I'm sorry, Kyle Shanahan, um, you, you didn't think the criticism of him was fair. Is, is that a, a correct assessment? Yeah, not at all. Not at all. I thought, listen, I think Kyle kept the Chiefs in the football game. Mm. Um, I thought there was a mismanagement of the clock at the end of the first half. And then last week, Kyle came out and said, well, this is why we did it. Because we were so conscious of their the explosiveness of the Chiefs offense. We didn't want to give them the football back at the end of the first half. I have two two gripes with that. One... I think in the Super Bowl, when you um, fear the other team more than you believe in yourself or your team, you're coaching to lose. You're coaching not to lose. And he said that the fear 
that he had of Kansas City was greater than the belief he had in himself as a play caller or as the, or in their players as an offensive, you know, the ability to execute an offense. Two, if you're going to say that, and that's your game plan all week as a team to handle the end of the first half clock that way, there's absolutely no way that you kick a field goal in the second quarter on fourth and two on your opening drive, or in the third quarter on your opening drive of the second half. There's no way because you can't sit there and say, we don't want to give them the ball back because we understand how explosive they are on offense, right. but then feel good on a fourth and two kicking a 30-yard field goal. Like If you're going to say they're so explosive on offense and you don't want to give them any time, well, then your viewpoint has to be they're so explosive on offense that threes aren't going to win you the football game either. Fourth and five, fourth and seven, we could have a different conversation. Fourth right. and two, um, I think he kept them in the game. The run on second and five near the end of the game with about six minutes to go was 100% the accurate play call, the right play call. They did the same set the play of the series before. They did a play-action pass to Kittle, conversion. Second and five is a run or pass down. You don't, you, as a defense, you don't know what they're going to do. You don't want to ask Jimmy G to play drop-back football on third down, and you ask your quarterback to throw a five-yard pass. Now, he had gone play action pass and took a shot down the field. We we could have a different different situation here. But he asked him to throw a play action pass that was five yards down the field. Chris Jones just made a good play, but that's the right call. Right. It's this is why you know it's, it's amazing. You're the I've heard nobody talk about the the field goal on the fourth and two there in the third quarter, and I thought to me that was his worst play call of the whole game yep. by far. I yep. thought that you cannot kick field goals against the Chiefs in that situation. And to piggyback on something else you said, this is why you're the fastest rising star, as I said. He, the, he was terrified of the Chiefs at the end of the first half. And if you also, if you watch, you know, there was a great video the NFL released on YouTube of uh, the, the final minutes of the Chiefs' comeback. And even when the Chiefs scored and the Chiefs were coming, he, he was so scared on that sideline because he even makes a comment to whoever's in his headset about, you know, we've only got five minutes here and that we can't get do it. He, he was scared and not aggressive. And that was, I thought way worse than any of the play calls. Like you said about the second down there where he threw it, uh, that would be concerning yeah. to me as a Niners fan. That was telling. I thought it, it, the yeah, audio that, on that and, was and rough. I, I, I agree. I agree that. And I know Kyle. I played for Kyle. Kyle is an ultra aggressive coach. And just to hear him go, the, the, he was so scared of the other team yep. more than he was so more than his confidence in himself or his team to me was like, wait, what? That's not the Kyle that I know. Yeah, I, I was I was shocked that, you know, because they his play calling is so imaginative and they're so they were so aggressive on offense throughout the playoffs and, the you know, so it was uh, he was he was rattled by the chief talent on offense. There's no doubt yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk about you for a sec. So we we got into the front office stuff, but what's is there an ultimate goal for you in terms of broadcasting? I mean, I know you're doing the the stuff there on Get Up. You're doing some games here and there. Is doing games the ultimate for you? Is it studio work? What's what would be like the dream scenario for you? Yeah. I mean, that's a question I get asked a lot nowadays. And I've had this conversation with the higher up city SPN. Um, you know, I, I, I think that there is, uh, it's a difficult question because I don't know what the 
football intake in media world is going to look like in five or 10 years from now, it's very different than it was 10 years ago would be my guess. So I love studio work um, because it allows you to get into some weeds and stuff and go a little nerdy with a lot of things. And obviously a lot of people watch studio work and they see your face tied to it. And so I do love that stuff, but doing live games is incredible. Um, Once you do studio work, everyone has it and everyone can copy it and everyone can claim it to be their own. Doing live games, um, you get the first crack at it. And just the environment, the opportunity to talk about it, it's it's very similar to being a player where you do a ton of prep during the week and all of a sudden the game happens. And then it's just reacting and, you know, trusting instincts and trying to trust your eyes. And so... You know, I, I was I was told this early on in, in you know the beginning of this career that I just want to do what whatever whoever I'm working for and with I want to do what they deem to be important and I want to be an important part of that and so if I'm at ESPN and they think that get up in Monday Night Football or they're two big properties or that's really important to them well I want to be an important part of that and if they think that. You know, primetime college football uh, is their thing. Well, I want to be important to that. Or college game day, I want to – it's really whatever they go, okay, these is, this is what's really important to us, and I want to be a really important person when it comes to that. Do you ever get frustrated by the fact that – and this isn't an ESPN thing. This is every network that does the CBS, Fox, ESPN. But, you know, there is the fascination – from a broadcasting standpoint, with the big name quarterback, whether we know whether they're good or not, we're seeing it now with Drew Brees, Philip Rivers, who we don't know if they're coming back to the NFL in 2020, and if they don't, networks are sort of hot for them. It seems like nobody knows on whether they can be good in the booth, good in the studio or not. Whereas a guy like you, and you know, no disrespect intended, you weren't like the A-list quarterback in your career, like those guys, and. You know, maybe you don't get that sort of attention because of the name recognition there. Does that ever get frustrating for you? Um, no, I, I think I, you know, I'm, I'm. If, if there's, if I'm one thing, I'm very aware of who I am. I'm very aware of what my career was, and so I understand it. I also am very aware that um, the the football fan nowadays is way smarter than it was 10 years ago. And I think that 95% of those fans really don't care that much about what your name or what your name is anymore than it did years and years ago. They want to be educated and they want to be entertained and they want to think of things and see things and know things differently than their friends. And if you can allow them to do that, and if you can allow other people to learn more and be smarter, and so, so then when they have their conversation, they feel like they can be smarter within the conversation, I don't think they necessarily care about all that stuff anymore. Right. And so um, there's also the reality that it's a good thing for me because it, it keeps me focused and, and keeps me uh, – I, I know that – um, there's a Hall of Fame class of quarterbacks that are retiring this year um, that networks are going to want. And those guys deserve opportunities because of their success on the field. Now, what they do with it, that that will be completely up to them. I think that all networks – like, here's the perfect example I say, Jimmy. ESPN has the absolute blueprint 
of why that doesn't matter. Um, they're one of their biggest stars is who Kirk Herbstreet. Right. He's their one of their biggest stars on college football, which is their biggest baby. Kirk Herbstreet was never a college football star. He was never a pro football star. He was. I don't like you know like yeah yeah no I agree Kirk yeah. You know, and they have the blueprint that that does not matter. Right. And, and if you ask anybody in football, really in college football, who's one of the best people at their job, they're going to say, well, Kirk Herbstreet's phenomenal. Right. And then you go Google Kirk Herbstreet's college stats and you go, wait, what? <laughs> you know? And so um, I, I think that, that that's the perfect example for me is um, – and stuff doesn't necessarily matter anymore, right. um, although those guys are well, totally warranted to their opportunity. Yeah, and I think a, a huge factor, I think, for fans who tune in to watch the games, and uh, you know, the networks don't like hearing this, but I do think what what fans are looking for, too, and this is something I appreciate about you, which I'll get into it a specific example, but for me, I know the Breezes, the Phillip Rivers, they goes, those guys get in the booth. They don't want to criticize players because these are their contemporaries who they've just played with and i don't i don't mean ripping players but i mean even criticisms here or even maybe going deep into something that they feel maybe they shouldn't that's where i think fans get turned off whereas i thought one of the best things you did this year i i made note of this i think either on twitter or my column was you broke down a video of brady and his body language and maybe even reading lips with his receivers when he was so frustrated by his by his offensive weapons and yeah. their lack of ability, that's the stuff fans want. Now the breezes, the the rivers, just using them as examples because those are the names that are out there. They may not want to do that because of whatever relationship they may have with Tom or the players involved. But I thought you know yes, you can get into X's and O's all you want, and that stuff is great too. But I thought that video you did with Brady on the sidelines there on the bench. That's the stuff I think that's next level that fans really want. Yeah, and that's funny because I remember it happening and I actually broke it down live just on Twitter real quick. And then um we were <clears throat> it was the um it was a phone call pre pre production meeting for get up the next morning and I said, I have this idea, guys and I told it to them and they kinda of brushed it off. And in the production meeting I sat there and I said, We need to do this. No one else is going to talk about this. I think it's a really big deal. And they kind of like, eh. I said, listen, <laughs> you guys got to trust me. I know what I'm about to do. Like, I, this goes back to me. I know who I am. I know who I'm about to talk about and how I'm about to talk about them. But this is something. And <clears throat> I think at the end of the day, um, that's my job. And my job I think there's enough people to tell you. I think there's enough people in the world of social media that tell you this person sucks or that person sucks. Right. And I always want to look at it like, why? I don't care about what. I want to know why. And it was one of those why things to me. And I kind of thought, you know, the folks are, you know, like, we got to do this. We got to do this. And just trust me that I know who I am and I know I'm about to do and I know what I'm about to talk about. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is the show, not my ego. And um, it, it's funny that you kind of bring it up because it was one of those things where I had to kind of look at myself in the mirror and be like, am I, am I, am I sure I want to do this? Like, am I sure that this is what I want to do? And I was conscious of it, and I thought it was the, the, 
the right thing to do, the the needed thing. Yeah, I see. To me, it's even mind-boggling that you have to fight that battle because I thought, you know, that's exactly what you should be doing, and I, you couldn't have done it better than you did. So, it you know, Thank you. I'm, I'm glad you fought the battle. It sucks that you have to fight the battle, but I guess that's you know. The NFL is a big, mighty thing there, and I, I know that you know the partners there like to keep everyone happy. So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I, I'm curious, what analysts do you admire? Um, whose work do you enjoy? Well, yeah, um, I, I think Herbie's great. I really enjoy Herbie. I think Todd Blackledge is great. Uh, Romo is my favorite. Romo is is by far my favorite because Romo is always trying to be different and think outside the box and not conform to traditions and do things differently and confident in himself. Um, and he sees things in a very unique way. I think Collinsworth is the best. Collinsworth has the best ability, in my opinion, to like take a, a second and eight two-yard run and go in, a, in, in literally the, 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 a split second and take that two-yard run and go, okay, this is, that two-yard run means absolutely nothing, and I'm going to find a way to tell a story about somebody associated with that two-yard run on that moment. And uh, I, 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 I marvel at his ability to do that stuff and, and kind of roll with that. Um, I'm trying to think of some other people. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I, I love working with Marcus Spears. Um, Marcus has this ability to bring joy to a situation and laughter and fun to a situation um trying to no, that's good you gave me a good crop there that's good good list yeah those, those are those are kind of like my guys that are like my you know because i wish i was a little bit more like chris collinsworth right. i wish i was a little bit more like that and i'm growing and trying to learn more like that um there's some basketball guys that I think are really good too. So I, I try to, I watch games totally different now. Yeah. Yeah. And so this all started, your whole thing here in media got started with Twitter, correct? Yeah. Yeah. It got started all of 17. You know, it was a, it was a Sunday night football game or a Monday night football game. Probably it was Monday night football, Carolina, Miami. Near the end of the game, Miami's on defense. They're going to run an all-out cover zero blitz where everyone blitzes, everyone else plays man. Cam, Cam Newton sees it at the line of scrimmage. He changes the play to a wide receiver screen with some hand signals and some language. All of a sudden, five seconds later, it's a touchdown. And I was like, dude, that was so cool. I love that stuff. And I was like, no one on the broadcast was talking about it. I was like, people need to know about this stuff. Like, why that just happened again? Don't tell me what happened. Tell me why it happened. Right. And how it happened. And uh, my wife was like, make a video and put it on the internet. And initially I was like, that's stupid. I didn't have social media. I thought it was dumb. I was, and a couple minutes later, I was like, all right, I'll give it a try. I did that. So I muted the television. I kind of broke it down. I put it on the internet and it kind of had some really good traction I the next morning. And I said, that's, that's my end. That's my way to prove that I know what I'm talking about. I was going to ask you, how many followers did you have on that day? If you remembered and you know, when you, I had, yeah, I, I, on Instagram, I had probably 500. Right. And on Twitter, I had maybe 800, maybe 1,000. Wow. And, and what, I don't really put anything on Instagram now. That's more just like my family stuff. But that's right. over 10,000 followers, and social media is what it is. And then um, I have like 150,000 on Twitter now, which right. is wild. 
I have to say, I, I was, you know, trying to do a little research. I was looking at your Twitter, your Instagram, obviously. Uh, your kids are really, really cute. You have triplets and you have another child. Um, some great pics on there. And uh, I have to say, I got a kick out of your post where you had your kids dancing to NSYNC. <laughs> now, I got, I'm, 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 listen. I would never disrespect NSYNC. I think they're one of the greatest bands of all time, obviously. I'm more of a Backstreet guy, though. I just got to put that I out was, there. Listen, I was a fan of both of them, to be yeah. honest. I grew up in, in the era when they were dominant and, and the big thing. But um, I think like if I had to pick one like song from either of them that was like transcendent in a way, it, it, it certainly for like my teen years, my corny teen years, yeah. it was Bye Bye Bye. And once my boys like heard it and then watched some of the live performances at like an MTV award or something, they were like, this is super dope. So see, they, um, they pull it up and watch it a bunch. For, for kids that age and dancing, I, I can give you the Bye 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 there, but the more iconic song is I Want It That Way. That's just the fact. You, you uh, what? Well, I want it that way. It's such a good song. It depends. Like, oof, you're you're asking me. You're asking me to. You're you're asking me to pick between Matthew Stafford and Carson uh, Wentz yeah. here, and I don't know if I'm willing to do that. Yeah, I was gonna say this is like Burrow versus Tua, but yes, it's I it's I want it that way. Then bye bye bye. Um, I pre I appreciate you coming on and uh, breaking it. And I wanted to chat with you, and I I really enjoy the work and. Uh, Enjoy the off season here. I guess you get no off season though. You got the draft coming up, so you'll be busy with that. And then maybe, well, uh, yeah. yeah, thank you, man. No, I'm, you know, I got a little bit of time off. I'll do a little bit of work at the end of the month for the combine, and then the draft will pick up. But I mean, I love this stuff. I mean, I, you know, I, I have, I honestly have so much fun with it. And yeah. I live up in the Northeast, so a little bit different than me for me than a lot of other guys. I hop in the car and drive to work, and I'm home where my kids or a lot of my colleagues have to get on planes all right well i appreciate it and uh keep up the great work i enjoy watching you thanks for coming on thanks bud i appreciate it all man right, take care my name is ariel i moved to the u.s at 19 i spoke no english and i struggled finding job opportunities everything i have i owe to the adult literacy center and getting my high school diploma at age 22 it was an honor helping you achieve your greatness now you're helping others achieve theirs it inspires me when you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., 
and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, joining me now, SI Media Podcast regular, media columnist, reporter for the New York Post, Andrew Marshan. It's been a little while. Andrew, how's it going? I'm doing well. I think it was the uh, end of the year podcast we did with uh, the great John Orrand was last time. So yeah, it's been it's been a little rested, but I'm happy to be back with, with Mike Frances on Radio.com. It, you know your appearances have shrunk here on the <laughs> SI Media podcast. We're both irrelevant. Okay, <laughs> I, I haven't tuned in. I just I have one question about that. Has Mike? He promised because he's the only fair person in America that he'd do politics. Has he done the politics yet on that show? I do not believe, I only listen to some. I mean, it's hard to remember 6 to 6.30, and then it's hard to find on radio.com. So I've only listened to some, but uh, we all know Funhouse is uh, he's on top of it, and there hasn't been much uh, at all on the politics scene. Uh, he did tweet right, the other right. day, and uh, I thought it was pretty funny because he did tweet that basically Bernie Sanders can't win, which uh, one, a couple of his followers, including Audio Mongo, who's a big uh, Twitter uh, Francesca guy said that that guarantees that Bernie Sanders will yes. be the Democratic nominee, which I thought was very funny. It's definitely good news for Bernie. All right, we'll uh, we'll save the Francesca talk for another time. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the his heavy hitting political analysis. That's what I'm waiting for. But um, <laughs> there's there have been a ton of good media, sports media stories lately in the past week or so that I've wanted to sort of dip into. Um, the big one is the Gail King thing, but I'll save that. I, I should have written about it, and I didn't, but um, I'll save that because let, let's start with what's topical and newsy because I wrote about it in Monday's – what's today's? Today, Tuesday? Yes, I wrote about it in Monday's Train of Thoughts, and that's this possibility of the NFL uh, Monday Night Football revamp here with flex scheduling maybe coming. There's a lot of layers to this story. You have – uh. A possibility of Monday Night Football late in the season being able to get flexed. And then you also have the possibility of Monday Night Football going from ESPN to ABC. So let's start there. What do you think the odds are that the flex scheduling happens and and Monday Night Football gets moved from ESPN to ABC? I think it's a money question. I think the more money that Disney's willing to pay if they were to keep that package, then uh, the better chance they could have flex and get better games. Or so I think that's what that comes down to. Uh, obviously, for TV purposes, flexing the games makes a lot of sense. It is a little bit of a tougher equation, though, for fans who are attending games, who travel into games. Because, you know, for example, a couple of years ago, I went with my brother to San Diego, Steelers, Chargers, and we were looking at the schedule in August when we traveled to Pittsburgh. And I said to him, you know, we got this game could be flexed in. So when you think about making your flight. Uh, think about that. And we did, and in fact, it was flexed in. If it was a move from Sunday to Monday, then we would have been totally out of luck. And right. you, you know, basically can't do it. So I, I do think that they're going to have to give it a, a lot more leeway, and they are going to really inconvenience a lot of fans. Uh, but for the greater good of TV money, I think they'll do it. I think it's a disaster for fans. But like you said, the NFL doesn't care about the fans going to the games. They care about keeping their TV partners happy and generating ratings. But 
you know, that's terrible. If you if you have tickets for a Sunday game at one o'clock and then it gets flexed to Monday at eight and you have to work on that Monday, you know, who knows how how far you are, you know, your office is from uh, the stadium you need to go to. And, you know, then you got to get up the next day for work. And if you're taking kids, you know, I think I, think I don't think of the traveler, though, I think, you know, I, you're totally right. And perhaps they could figure out something to do for that local fan if that happens, which they've done somewhat in baseball when the games get moved to 8 o'clock. And I mean, Yankees and Mets sometimes they have exchange where you can exchange tickets, and obviously there's more inventory with a baseball season, 162 games. But the real inconvenience, though, is if you book the hotel, book right. the flight, which you can't change, yep. uh, that's where it's really – and again, it's not, how many people does that affect? Maybe not uh, thousands. You know, and maybe a hundred thousand for the season, maybe a little bit more. But it's really that's really asking a I, lot of some diehard fans. I think it's more than you think. I mean, maybe I have that opinion because I'm in, I'm in the sports world and my friends are are all sports fans. But I have, I mean, yeah. all of my friends. At some point, you know, I'll have a friend who, oh, I'm going to go see Lambeau this year. I have another friend who's a Cowboy fan. He goes and sees, you know, one or two games a year there. I, You know, I got a guy in the office here I'm friends with who's a Saints fan. He goes to a bunch of home games. I think it's more than you think. But again. Okay, maybe a million. I mean, look, yeah, yeah. I'd have to really think about it a little more. But if you think 100,000 people go to these games, or not 100,000, 60,000 people go to these games, there's 15 games. So, yeah, you're right. You probably gets into seven figures maybe for the whole year. But still, that's not. Um, most people doesn't impact, but still, it's 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 a really though you're really doing a disservice to some of your most loyal, highest spending fans, and I don't that that that's going to be something they're going to have to weigh. And I and I know I'm jumping the gun here, and you probably don't even have this information, but maybe we could just speculate a, a little bit. But I mean, how exactly are they going to work flex scheduling for Monday Night Football, considering they're going to protect Sunday night, they're going to protect Sunday four twenty five, they're going to protect Thursday night. So even with flex on their best week, it's going to be the fourth best game. Is it really yeah, worth? Well, that's not necessarily true. I mean, I think they could rotate who gets the best games. That that's not they, okay. But then, who do you think gets complicated hurt? formula? Well, they who... could get better games on Monday night, and I do think they could bring um, a little more shine to that. Uh, I do. I do think. I think that's one of the things when we talk about the announcing um, and the people who call those games. The one thing that they really, it's really unfair to the Joe Tess, Bigger, McFarlane's, Witten's of the world when they've done that game is that all the other crews that they're compared to, the number one teams, those teams are doing their network's best game. So even if you're CBS or Fox and you're Joe Buck and Aikman or Romo and Nance, you might not get a great game, but you're getting your, your network's best game. So it's a, it's a pretty good game. So my point being is that if let's say that fourth game of that weekend went to ABC, that helps that broadcast because at least you're getting an okay game and not out of the 17 weeks of uh, Monday Night Football that you're not getting a uh, four of them where it's just like this is a garbage game. Well, I, I don't know if I agree with that necessarily. Well, it's not that I don't agree, but there is a there is a big flip side to that, and that is if you are calling that game that's a much better game that fans care about and you're not on your A game as a booth, you think the criticism is bad now? You haven't seen anything, you know. Yeah, I disagree though. Uh, but I do think like do the you, big thing that the Monday night booth they get they get nailed for is it doesn't feel big. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that's necessarily an incorrect criticism of the current crew with uh, Tess and Booger, but I do think they get a raw deal in that it, you're not going to make. Um, I, again, I off the top of my head, Browns 
Jets, I think that was week two. But let's just say that was a week 12 game this year. You're not going to make that feel big when the two teams are five and eight. I agree, so, with, I agree uh, with that. But my point is, yeah. but then when you get a big game, a la Bills-Texans playoffs, and you have a rough broadcast, to put it mildly, you get destroyed way more than when you're calling a meaningless game that people are tuned out of. So there is a flip side to it. But, yeah, I, I'll, I'll, it doesn't really matter. But I, I do think that Monday night boot, though, I, I make the argument the lesser games are actually when they we, – we'd have to really look back and, and look if that's true. But right. I do think – you're right, on the, on the wild card weekend, they did have a tough broadcast and they got, they got banged for it. But I do think that when they make mistakes in these, like, uh, me, you know, these meaningless games that are on Monday night sometimes – that those are magnified because people aren't as focused on the team. Uh, I They're more focused on the broadcast. Totally disagree. You do a, you make a okay. game, you make a mistake in a big game. It's going to be magnified too. But no, of course. Right. I mean, they're both being magnified. I'm just saying that there's more of a degree and there's more of a focus on the announcers when the games are less. You're wrong as usual. All right, Next question. fair Next enough. Question. All right, since we're talking about playoff changes, let's let, the baseball thing came out. I think. Are they going to chuckle from you? I said you're wrong as usual. I'm just joking around. People uh, are like I'm a jerk. Well, I could no. no. You want me to fight back and say I'm not wrong? No, no I, you you got you say yeah. I'm wrong. I'll let you I'm get it. Chuckle. I'll let you get it. I'll let you right, get so, it. Fine. Well, I just chuckle quickly. I'm not going to chuckle, but I'm going to let you have it. I wasn't going to, you know. Fine. Break it down for you. Uh, the baseball playoff, I mean, that's clearly the, the, the proposal that Manfred has on the table uh, is clearly all for television. That is strictly, you know, a selection show, which I, I'm i all for that. I would love a selection show like that. I think having teams pick who they play in the playoffs would be very intriguing. Um, I got one for you. The last year, yeah. the Yankees would have been the number one. They, they would have not had to buy. You would have had to buy. They would have had the first choice. Red Sox won like 84 games. You had Minnesota, uh, and it was the other team that made the playoffs. Um, whoever the other team was, would you have picked the Red? If you're the Yankees, would you have picked the Red Sox to play, who were the last place team, or would you have gone Twins um, in that in that next round? I would have absolutely picked the Twins because the Yankees always beat the Twins, and you don't. You see, that's interesting. Even, so that even, would have been interesting. No, because even if, they if lost, yeah. Even if the Red Sox are the worst team in that, if you're the Yankees, you still want to avoid them just because the hype and everything gets amplified when you play when you're the Yankees and the Red Sox. It, I, and the Yankees always kill the Twins, so that one would have been an easy one for me. And that's interesting. I think it's interesting. I don't know if the selection show would really. I don't know if people are going to be tuning into that selection show. It's not the NCAA tournament where you're getting 64 selections. There's teams on the bubble. I just think you'd look at your phone and see, like, oh, Yankees took well, the twins. I don't know if I'm tuning in. But it would get, it would, what, what, what baseball wants, it, it would cause a lot of debate, which is, right. you know, part of it. They want to be the, you know, leading the conversation. Here's what I would say about the selection show, and you would know this better than me. So if you have any info, share it. If, if they put it, if they would put the selection show, on MLB Network, no one would probably watch it. They put it on ESPN, and you get the ESPN machine behind it. And then, of course, you know they're talking about it that morning on Get Up, and then they go to you know. Then I think it'll generate a lot of interest. I think what network they put that on is a big factor. Yeah, and I think ESPN is probably a very likely choice, but uh, we'll have to see because I do think they will. They want to, and they very well could get back into. Uh, doing more playoff games. So, uh, uh, so, so, so no, ESPN and Fox who, who have the base and I guess Turner is a part of the postseason as well. Turner, yes. They're, they're all for this. I would assume. Yes. Uh, by the time this comes out, I'll have a story out about it. Yeah. They're very, 
pro this idea. So I, I, yeah. I do believe this will happen. I, I know a lot of people are down on it. They don't want baseball touched and changed. And, you know, it has to because it, it, it's just, you know, it skews older. I don't think it's bad about it. I, think I don't either. Counter, the only argument I can see that's bad about it is you do get a team that maybe doesn't deserve to be in the playoffs. So, like, I talked to TV executives and baseball, top baseball officials today, right, trying to get, you know, more knowledge mm-hmm. about it. And it's a great point that one of them made to me is that, so let's say that an 80-win team makes the playoffs. Right. They have to win a best-of-three series on the road. Then they got to win a best-of-three-out-of-five series uh, on, with only two games at home. Then they have to win a four-out-of-seven series. So, all right, and, and, and this is the argument. This person didn't even make this argument, but I, I made it. Let's say they did that. That yeah. would actually be exciting to of watch. Of course. That's not, the, I, get, yeah. I get the baseball peers would be like, oh, they only want to hear. Yeah, you're right. It's a big sample size. But the, the idea is to bring more people into the tent. The people who are complaining on Twitter who you know I follow because I was a baseball writer and a lot of them are very interesting, who are really up in arms, they're watching anyways. You're not losing them. This right. is their livelihood. If you're trying to bring more people into the tent. And generally speaking, to me, usually the ideas are dumb. This one I don't find dumb at all. I actually think it's a good one. The teams that in that first round who would have to play three road games, that those are the teams the whole country is going to be rooting for. Can you imagine if you know the Yankees played the Twins in the first round, all three games at Yankee Stadium, and the Twins won the first two games, or or you know, I or mean, one game, this one yeah, game, they, yeah, won, just, they, right. they won the series and they swept them. Right. Well, here's the other thing: is you're going to have twelve potential. Um, elimination games. Right. If you if in that first round instead of six, which is what you have now with the two wild card games, and then you have the the uh, DSs. Uh, my numbers, the second number right, but the, the first number is right. You're gonna add. You're gonna have twelve in that potential because after game one, two and three are always gonna be elimination games in these series, which uh, which is what is compelling television. Because let's just go to that first example that we talked about. Yankees, Red Sox. The Yankees were 17 games or something better than the Red Sox last year. In no world should really the Red Sox have a chance to win the best two out of three. And I can understand from a purity point of view, we, you played 162, they're clearly better. Why are they going to be able to win? Fine. Red Sox win game one. How interesting is that series? The next two games. The Yankees have to win two games against Boston at home to advance. Uh, it's, and, and, and you say, oh, that's not for the Yankees. It's not for the Yankees, except... If they didn't, if they wanted to stay out of it, they could have had the best record in the AL, and they didn't. So, I, I don't really. I think it's a real positive. I, I really do. I agree a hundred percent. And I, you know, listen, the biggest knock I see is people who don't want what they don't want is more teams in the playoffs. But to me, once they added the wild card and then the second wild card, that cat's out of the bag. What? So you have two more teams now. You know, okay. So you go from five to seven, ten to fourteen. It's I, to me once you once you didn't have the pennant really be a thing anymore, it's done. I agree. And also, who like we're in New York. You're a Yankee fan. I covered the Yankees, so it's a little skewed. I mean, even the Mets are in contention many years. It's So it's a little skewed. But if you're in Pittsburgh, you have to, you have to wait every 20 years. Your team's involved, and it's great for you know two years maybe where they make the playoffs, and that's back to being terrible, and you have no chance. And then if there's like a super team, like the Cubs look like they were maybe going to be – then you you don't you have no chance. This gives the Toronto's it brings more markets into the into having important games in August and September. I, I just I don't really see how uh, it's a negative. Except I get from the purity standpoint of the game, but that's like all sports. That's how it works in all sports, where your champion isn't necessarily the best team. And if you're like, oh, that that's in this new playoff format, 
um, the best team not going to necessarily win the World Series. Yeah, that's a good. That's good. Except the Nationals just won the World Series. Right. So uh, they were. They clearly weren't the I, best team during the regular season. They're the best team in the playoffs. I can't. I can't fault Major League Baseball for wanting to create more TV drama, and that's what this is. So. I, I, I just don't have a – like you said, I don't see what the down uh, – if your argument, you don't want more playoff teams, okay. But other than that, I don't see what the argument is, and I don't have a problem with more playoff teams. So. Uh, all right, let's, we agree. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on for a sec here to the XFL. Uh, what did you make of the ratings for the opening weekend? Not much. Okay. Because I, week two – tell me what they are week two. Right. And uh, if you look at the AAF – um, that is called AF. Um, yeah, they had very good week one. They had you know poor week two. The difference and where I think the XFL really has a major advantage is all these things are are distribution. And if you look at the AAF, they were first week on CBS Turner, then they are on CBS Sports Network and Turner. Right. And obviously, Turner's legit big time network, but they're still kind of. You know, the NBA is having some issues with Turner. You have to. It's not something. It's not a go to when not you want to watch sports network. on a Saturday. They're You're not, not a turning on network. Turner. Yeah. So, Fox and ESPN, ABC, FS1, even to a lesser extent, you're looking to those channels. So I do think they have a very good chance of maintaining a pretty good rating. And so week two will really tell you, but distribution and where they're distributed and how. And the quality of the broadcast, I do think that they have a very good chance to uh, to maintain their their momentum from week one. Yeah, I, I was surprised that the spin was so positive, only because of the fact that they had you know ESPN and Fox behind them, and like you can't compare that to CBS and and Turner, which you know is not a sports network. And then, um, from what I saw on Twitter, the things that people were talking about were you know they liked the kickoffs and they liked the access to, you know, mic'd up refs and mic'd up coaches. No one talked about the quality of the games. So, you know, if you're into the kickoffs, is that going to keep you around every week? I would think not. So it's going to be interesting. Like you said, it's all about what happens in but, week two but, and three. But you've been ahead of this curve. There's one thing that's going to keep people into this for sure. Gambling? Especially with the, yeah, yeah. betting. Yeah. yeah. People are going to gamble. Yeah, yeah, people are going to gamble on this. And they're encouraging it. I mean, you know, you have to make it like a huge deal. They <laughs> have the over/under on the, the spread, right. uh, it, which is fine. Uh, but the the bottom line is, I think if it's a relatively quality action, which it was, uh, it wasn't. It didn't feel minor league. It felt like you know maybe like the MAC or something in comparison to D one. So this is in comparison to uh, the NFL. But it wasn't like they couldn't complete a pass or something. They, these guys were pros. You could see they're just on that next level down of, uh, you know, under the NFL and they practiced enough. And, and so I think the quality was there where it was enough. Now, uh, this, uh, this doesn't mean anything to talking to some of my friends who, you know, they, they weren't like, Oh, I'm going to check this out. But if I'm, and I think this is where it's at. And I think this, again, talking to two friends isn't exactly a, a good sample size, but I do think it's probably accurate right. for the non better is that if they're home and they turn on the TV and it's on, yeah, they'll watch it. Are they going to, schedule their whole Saturday or Sunday around it? No, but I think that's a plus. I mean, you don't get to your scheduling your whole Saturday and Sunday for a few years uh, down the road. Uh, so I think, I think they're, I think they're, they've done well. They're in good shape. Yeah. I, 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 it's, I don't know how much the gambling is going to help them. It will help them. 
I don't know if it'll be significant because you you really have to be out there to be betting those games. Um, at least in the yeah, first couple of weeks. Doesn't get you weeks. into those games though. I, I don't know. No, I mean, not I, me. I, yeah, I mean, I'm not I, a big gambler. Yeah, I'm, I am, and I you couldn't pay me to bet those games. I think that's throwing money away. But that's just me. I listen. I think what's going to help them. Why though? Because I don't know anything. Be I don't know anything about the teams or the players. You did you know about who's going to win in the NFL games, like in, in terms of the spread? Yes, of course. What was your record? Did you keep your record this year? No, I don't have my record. I made money. That's all that matters. Okay. Um, hey, you made money. Okay. I also no. Also, here's the other. But thing. you're an ex, But you're an expert from Sports Illustrated. Not everyone's an expert the, like you. The bottom line is this: the last thing I'm going to do is on a Sunday or a Saturday in the afternoon watch the XFL. I want to be doing like I'm in the house from September to February because of the <laughs> NFL. Now I need to break out for a few months before football. Yeah, comes my back. wife did say my wife did say there's ten more weeks of football. Right. She wasn't yeah. thrilled about the XFL. Yeah. But I don't think that's but I think what I was gonna say that. is more than the gambling, I think what helps more than anything is the ESPN you know, they'll break it down on Get Up and they'll break it down on Sports Center and you know they'll do everything they can, and I think that helps more than anything. I, obviously, they weren't doing that with the AAF, AAF. So, I think it's ESPN yeah, that's going to help point. them more than anything. Um, <clears throat> what else is going on? The, um, you know, I should have touched on this when we were talking about the New Deal. I don't want to get into the Romo stuff. I feel like the Romo Monday Night Football thing has been done to death. Uh, let me ask you this: Do you have, do you have an idea of? When, in terms of let's say month, a Romo yeah. contract would be done, I can tell you that I don't think anything started. Right. So nothing's really is going on yet. The way these contracts work is his deal was signed um, in May, so I think that's when it started. And usually, that you know, there's a window where he's officially allowed to start talking to other places. Now, could they move up that window because they're just waiting around? They could, as far as I know, that has not happened as of yet. Uh, but I would not be shocked if they did because they're just waiting around for no real reason, all sides. Uh, so uh, I could see that. But to answer your question, I don't know exactly, but I don't think it's like uh, there's no necessarily, there's not like a rush right. by anybody. Now, and, you you know, know, Romo's, I think Romo's sitting pretty and you know you and i might be more interested than tony <laughs> in the whole situation not that he's not interested of course but yeah. i think he's kind of a cool customer and he's been through this as a player right and so uh, for him it's not like it's just different than he's not like he has to worry about paying his mortgage it's probably already paid off and uh, so it's it's like so he doesn't necessarily if he he'll get his he's gonna get paid a lot of money so it's just a matter of when so uh it's not like, oh, I need to send tomorrow because right. I'm not going to be able to uh, you know, afford something. I think it's fascinating that because of Romo, and I, I fully believe this is strictly because of Romo, like people are just assuming that you know Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers are going to get like you know a top job and be great on the air. Nobody I mean, nobody knows what any of these guys are going to be in the booth. The fact that like, you know, it's just like, oh, you know, CBS, if they lose Romo, they'll get Drew Brees. Okay, well, what you have no idea what Drew Brees is going to be in the booth. I agree. Yeah. You're right. You're right. We saw that with Witten. Um, and so just because Tony's been excellent, it doesn't mean that someone's going to step off the field. Now, the one thing they do have, and that this is important, especially as the NFL negotiations for the next deals uh, are beginning, is that they do have the name value. Uh, they do They do fit the marquee more 
than like Booger McFarlane does. You know, but Booger uh, established himself as a very good studio guy at ESPN. And then, you know, there are some circumstances that where he was in the booth. But if you had said three years ago, uh, before the Booger reveal, before he got Monday Night Football, I told you that Booger McFarlane was going to be the Monday Night Football solo game analyst. I don't know if uh, you would have been like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So I will say that the Breeze Rivers uh, idea does make sense in terms of what they look for. Uh, generally, in terms of executives, their 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 thought processes are pretty uh, uh, predictable. Where they go with their ex quarterbacks is what they've gone right. through historically. On a, on a totally different subject, I don't listen. I don't believe this would happen for a second. I think you have a better chance at Mike Francesa admitting he's wrong sometimes. But this thing that's being floated about Tom Brady going to the Cowboys. I, would this not be basically winning the lottery for Fox? Yeah, for everybody. I mean, how? Well, not for not for CB, not for CB, no, not for not for CBS because they lose Brady off the Patriots, whereas Fox gets. Yeah, but with the the you're right, it would be better for Fox. That's right, a good point. Fox okay. gets Tom Brady on the Cowboys. That is a ratings bonanza for them. I would I would imagine. For the Cowboys, though, they probably have two games at least. Um, you're right, it would yeah. be better for Fox. Yeah. Would they. They get at least two or three games on CBS, and it's it's uh, and they'd be on prime. They they'd be the game of the week every week. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. They already are. I mean, they already are. I mean, right. Like, the Cowboys games are hard to find. Right. All right. I I want to talk about this Gail King thing because I I was surprised, and I maybe it ha- it happened over a weekend, so I think maybe that's what it was. I was surprised it didn't. It wasn't a bigger story in the sports world. Am I misreading that, or is that, or do you think it was a big deal in the sports? I mean, it felt like because it was CBS News, it didn't really cross over into our world, but I felt like it should have. Yeah, I tweeted about it, um, and she did absolutely so, nothing wrong. No, I mean the follow-up. Some people thought was a little bit too aggressive after Lisa Leslie answered the question, the initial question. I can. I don't agree with the point, but I can see the point. Uh, so, uh, did she need to do that? But the idea that she couldn't ask the question again, like, I guess there's I, some people on Twitter have said this to me. I don't know. There's some history of Gail King. So forgetting that part of it, that's just, I can't get into that because I don't know enough about her history, I guess, with certain things, uh, where she apparently may not have challenged others. Right. Uh, but let's just get out of that part of it. It's a fair question when you're talking about, uh, Kobe Bryant's legacy and you're doing a full interview. Right. And so it's not like it's, it just, it is, it's fair. It's not. And then Lisa Leslie gave a fair answer. And yes, is it defensive? Yes. And did Kobe Bryant just pass away? Yes. But if we're going to say and lionize somebody and say how great they are, and there's a lot of greatness to Kobe Bryant, it's fair to, to talk about something that is awful that, we don't know exactly what happened, even though we all can have our opinions, just as we can have our opinions on other uh, very famous trials or, you know, or almost trials. And I think the one thing that I pointed out on, on, in the tweet is that if you don't mention it, you don't realize like you're, you're silencing people who've been uh, sexually assaulted or, or had friends who've been sexually assaulted or anybody that, that any that's been, been uh, for lack of a better term, you know, involved in, in, in that 
type of thing. Right. And so that's wrong. Right. And again, we don't know exactly what happened there. Um, I've heard my stories, you know, stories and et cetera. And we know that he did agree to a civil uh, settlement. And so that is some, at some level, an admission that something untoward happening. And he said that in a uh, apology. But that I think people don't get it. And what Snoop Dogg said was just gross. Too. Right. And and that, it, it was, Snoop Dogg now is like a corporate guy who has had a second career. And he kind of backed down a little bit from it, from right. it. But like the things he said about her is so Vile. wrong. Right. And I know it's Snoop Dogg. So it's like, okay, you know, he's a rapper. And obviously I like rap music. I like Snoop Dogg. Um, but the, uh, you know, if you listen to his lyrics from back in the day, you can get, you can, you can make an argument about lyrics and all those type of things, but to use it in that tone, uh, if you want to be on, uh, you know, Dunkin' Donuts spokesman and all that, I think that's tough. That's tough. I mean, I don't know if people call it Dunkin' Donuts, but the, the, the way he spoke about it, it's not like he, I, I just, I just felt that was just totally wrong. I, 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 I agree with every, I, I, listen, I despise this thing where if someone does something wrong, you gotta just, you know, they lose all their jobs. They're done. They're finished. But you know, it's going to be hard the next time I see Snoop, you know, like at a sporting event, you know, yucking it up or, you know, in the booth somewhere. And, you know, here's our, I mean, what he, like you said, what he said was so over the top and so vile. It's, it's yeah, just, he basically threatened her. Yeah. He said, we're going to go get you. And then he called her, uh, you know, the names he making called fair, her. Yeah, making fun and of I know we're like coursing yeah. our, our society keeps getting coarser with certain like name calling kind of. No, that was, that was, that even was from the, you know, from the highest office, you know, just like it's, no, nah, I don't. We we stick to sports, as you know, Jimmy. But yes. like, I just don't understand how anybody can support. That was another if, level. If you like policy, yeah. but just name calling, I just find it so juvenile and and just so wrong. Uh, it's embarrassing. But that was that, another level of name calling because, like you said, he had it in the threat. He's mocking her looks. Every and and the funny thing about it was, I didn't see the interview with Lisa Leslie. I'm not a CBS this morning watcher. I'm on, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and nobody saw that. And, <laughs> and nobody. I, the first thing I saw about it was Gail's Instagram video where she's ripping CBS to shreds. Which that was the one thing she sort of was out of line with. Yeah. yeah it well, wasn't. Was it wasn't your network. It was a social media worker who put the clip on Twitter that you're all upset about. But no, 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 hold on. And you know what's wrong about that though? It's you don't. You can only do what you do, right? So, yes, CBS did put that clip out, and they did it for a reason, and they wanted attention. Right. And But that the clip, there's nothing wrong with even doing that. Again, I'm not saying they could have done, they maybe did her wrong in, in some respects, and it made it look like that was the whole interview. But it was just a clip they put out, and some kid, like you said, probably put that out. Right. That person did nothing wrong. It's not their fault that the reaction was wrong. Right, well, that, that was my point. The, the action wrong. That was my point that I wanted to get to was, I see her all irate on Instagram about this thing. So now I'm like, now I got to go back and watch it. And then I watch it and I'm like, this, this, this is, this is ridiculous. There's nothing here. Like there was a, that, that's, if you that, watch that's it. That's the, the problem right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem. Honestly, you know, that, that is the problem because yeah. you're right. There was nothing there. And, and that's another reason. It was a perfect reaction was out of like nobody would even have really known about. It. Right, that's the other thing. Ex nobody would have known about it, and it wouldn't even have been a big. Well, no, deal. that's not true because I guess she was getting the backlash, and that's why she made the video. Um, even LeBron, I think, had tweeted about something about Lisa Leslie. I mean, 
Gail King did absolutely nothing wrong in that interview. It was re- the reaction to it was completely ridiculous. And I guess my guess is people like LeBron and even Snoop, not to defend them, I bet they only saw either a tweet or a clip on social media. I'm sure they didn't see the whole thing. And then this is how you get into this entire mess. Well, but it's easy to do what's popular, especially on Twitter. Right. It's easy to say reporters are bad. She shouldn't have done this. We should only say nice things about Kobe. And like, but then if you want to be like for social justice, which LeBron is, and he's, and a lot of times he's, you know, very good on certain subjects. You have to understand the other side of this though. It's like, it's yes. I mean, everyone feels terrible about Kobe. It's a very, but he's, his, his legacy is complicated. And when you talk to people about his legacy, bringing up things that are difficult in a respectful way, which I do think her initial question was, well, I can understand maybe feeling like the follow-up um, was maybe not needed, but I still, in the heat of the moment, I don't really falter. Uh, but but just the, it's easy to do what's popular, and right. it's always popular to pile on, and it's harder to be LeBron and say, you know what, let's lay off Gail King and go against like Snoop Dogg. I mean, that would have shown me more right. if LeBron was like, hey, you know what, look, I, I wish she hadn't asked the question, right. but but I don't think she meant anything by it. Let's lay off a Gail there's, King. There's no way any of those people saw the full interview. They just saw either the clip or a tweet, and, you know, I, I just thought it was... I, I was just I was really taken aback by the by by the Snoop thing. I was like, this is really just because even if she did what they thought she did, the reaction is still absurd. So, yeah, you know, that's the problem. And Yeah, exactly. All right. I wanted to discuss that. So I'm glad you came on to do that. Uh, we covered a lot. I appreciate it. Maybe next time we'll we'll get into more of a mic on radio dot com. Nothing we need the politics. Yeah. I'll have a column coming up soon. All right, good. I look forward to it. So what do you got? A column on Mike coming up soon, and then you got something. No, 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 no. Uh, next, no. next week, probably reading. No, next but no, week. It'll just be part of it. This, be so this week you got a column on a the. small part. This week you have a column on the baseball playoff situation. Yeah, I'm working some things, some All bigger right. things, but yeah. those I can't uh, All right. talk about. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos 
in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. All right, that wraps up this edition of the SI Media Podcast. My thanks to Dan Orlovsky from ESPN, Andrew Marshan from the New York Post. Uh, last week, Brian Curtis from The Ringer was on. Very fun episode about Radio Row and what a disaster that is. So check that out. And uh, Kevin Harlan was on the pod recently as well. Kurt Menefee, Brett Musburger, Chris Long, all in the archives. Please rate, please review, and most importantly, please subscribe. The subscribe is so important. If you could do that, it's greatly appreciated. And uh, we'll see you next week right here on the SI Media Podcast. Take care. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.